0: Hi guys and girls and welcome to another episode of the Leading Results Fitness podcast. Today it's a privilege to have with us Fred Biggsmores. Fred turned pro in 2010 and since 2010 he has placed in the top 3 six times of the IFBB bodybuilding events. He also won the 2015 Europa Super Show. Fred is also one of the best posers in the IFBB. I was privileged enough in 2015 to actually have a posing session with him while he was touring the UK, and I found that extremely beneficial. Um, Fred, welcome to the podcast. Thanks
1: for having me on. I appreciate
0: it. Okay, Fred, we'll ki- to, uh, Go going, buddy. Sorry, letting the fans know what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to kick straight off, Fred, and, and talk about what got you into bodybuilding to start with, and and sort of how your first show was and how that experience was for you. Uh, I, I first
1: started bodybuilding because um, actually I started lifting when I was 13. My, uh, I was pretty overweight. My mom knew I was... got me involved in a local gym, got me a trainer, and, um, and in that gym, bodybuilding and powerlifting was a very heavy influence. So, uh, I mean, of course, I played the traditional sports through high school, football, wrestling, track... Um, but then when I got out of high school, I went to college, when I got to college, started a bodybuilding show, it was actually an AAU Mr. Annapolis competition. And I had no clue what I was doing. Um, you know, back then there wasn't much internet, so there was no internet. There was the internet, but it was very slow. You weren't on there for information. Um, prevalently you're still going to the library, reading books, stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> we, we, uh, <laughs> I think we had some ads. <laughs> And uh, the diet was pretty much anything, I had fat in and I cut out. And then I'd hear people say, well, you should be doing cans of tuna, so I'd do cans of tuna. Then um, I knew if I did a lot of cardio, I'd lose fat, so I pretty much just kind of did the best I could. Of course, someone said they were going to help me get ready for the show, but uh, when push came to shove and we got closer, you know, they were nowhere to be found. So I had had decided I was going to do it. I went in, there was uh, nine guys in my class as a teenager and uh, yeah. uh,
0: it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool and and after that show Fred did did you think this is where I belong I, I belong in bodybuilding or or did you think oh one show's enough or did you think I'm really gonna push on and, and this is where I belong
1: no I loved it man it was like a dream like a, it was like you're on in a dream when you're up there you know when it's all you and the crowd screaming for you you know and and it's, um, you know, of course, back then I was uh, a minor in dance in college as well. So I had a, you know, great routine already. And, um, you know, the crowd loved it. And people were just, you got so much uh, admiration and respect for doing it that um, I was definitely hooked after the first time. But in college, you know, I, I um, there was a, I had a coach in powerlifting. And, and um, he kind of, you know, I did two shows, uh, a couple more shows. But my focus was really on powerlifting through high school, and then when I got—I mean, through college—and I um, actually won two NCAA titles doing it, so it was—it was a good thing. A couple world titles, and um, when I got done college, then powerlifting was no more wasn't fun anymore because I didn't have a team around me, and so naturally I gravitated back towards bodybuilding, and um, you know, and so we did back then. We were doing the muscle mania type things like that. Um, all the national organizations, we were doing that. We were doing well, like you know, and, and we were top two. And what I ended up changing my influence to try and do the MPC is, um, you know, when I did the World Championships in Miami for WrestleMania, you're in you're in a auditorium a Jackie Gleason Auditorium, and it was, you know, maybe maybe you know half the seats were sold out. Um, well, when I went to the at the um, Beacon Theater in um, New York City to watch the MPC Nationals. I mean, it was sold out, three stories high. Gregory Hines was there, you know, um, a bunch of other celebrities were there. The media was six rows deep. And it was just, it was just an amazing experience. And I was going, man, you know, these guys look phenomenal, but I can look that good. Um, and uh, it just was so, the atmosphere was so much more in depth. You felt like, man, you know, this is a real sport. It's a real venue. This is a real, this can be real. And um, and it it just attracted to me. And I I said, from that point forward, I wanted to do MPC. So in 2003, I went and did the uh, G-Antana and won the overall there. And um, at the time, I was working with um, Matt Duvall, who, uh, you know, um, may rest in peace. You know, he passed away a couple years ago. And um, he, uh, you know, he was like, Dude, you know, um, he, he judged me when I won the overall at the Jan Chang. He's like, man, you can turn pro. You got genetics, blah, blah, blah. And um, so when I started uh, getting ready for the 2004 Junior Nationals, I went there. I thought I was ready. But, um, you know, I, I, I got, like, fourth call out or something. And uh, I just wasn't in good enough shape. And then Gary Uda came up to me afterwards and, like, a couple more weeks of dieting, due to USA, and don't wear that tan anymore because I had dream tan on. <laughs> so he's like, don't wear that tan anymore. We don't like that tan. And um, the crazy part about it was I was so broke. I mean, at the time, I had four kids. No, no, three kids at the time. Uh, two stepchildren and, and one of my own with my wife at the time. I was so broke. You know, our gym was, wasn't was doing well because I, wasn't, I didn't focus on it. I wasn't focused. I was focused on the bodybuilding, you know? The training business wasn't doing that great because, again, I was focusing on the bodybuilding. So we're out there in Chicago. I'm getting my butt kicked, and I have, like, $800 to my name, and I'm going, yeah, this ain't it. So I thought I was done. I really thought I was done. I was like, I'm done with this. And um, in 2006, what happened was my business was doing really well. My marriage was all right. It wasn't great, but it was all right. And my training business was kicking, and we were doing great, but I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable because I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. I mean, I never stopped training. I never really stopped, you know, watching and following, you know, every year when I used to have the Olympia on pay-per-view, we had it at the house, you know? So I said I was giving it up, but it really wasn't, I wasn't done with it. And then I looked at my wife at the time and I said, Hey, um, you know, give me four years. If I can't turn pro in four years, I'll give it up. I promise. And, you know, she really couldn't vibe with that, but, Um, 2006, I got back into it and I won the, um, the, uh, MPC, um, some show in Atlantic City overall. And I went down to the MPC Nationals, did the, did the heavyweights. I was 203 pounds, (laughs) you know, and doing the heavyweights, I was the smallest heavyweight, but I got top 10, um, and, uh, got a, got a little in flex, you know, flex magazine that year. And of course, back then. In 2006, there wasn't, you know, all the YouTube videos. There wasn't all the, the, there was no Instagram. There was, you know, Facebook was starting to get popular. I think, but, you know, if you if you wanted notoriety, you wanted some, uh, some, shine. You had to be in the magazines. Yeah. You know, and um, so that was my first blurb in the magazine. So I was all hyped, and uh, of course that year, the next year, 2007. Um, you know, I go to North Americans and now I get fifth of the North Americans. So I'm like, oh, that's when I met George Fair. And George Fair comes up and he's like, and he's telling me um, that I can be a pro and all this stuff. And so I started working with him. I go to Nationals and I only get ninth. But I was having so many problem, marital problems in that time that, um, you know, that was a huge challenge. I mean, there was, she didn't want me doing it anymore. I mean, we we're the night before the show. And at, the, and at that time I was cutting sodium. We don't always necessarily do that now, but at that time I was cutting sodium and I'm eating my food and I'm going, man, this tastes way too good. And she was cooking all my food with sodium. <laughs> so, and she's going, well, you choose to do this. And you know, and we're here at nationals and she's like, you choose to do this stuff. I don't even want you to do this stuff. So clearly, uh, long story short, 2008, we got divorced. <laughs> but um, but my wife now, she's uh, she's the reason I'm a pro because what I wasn't doing then, that I'm doing now. And I think a lot of people make this mistake is I wasn't bodybuilding 24 um, seven in the way I was eating, in the way I was training. Like, you know, the way before my wife now, she she was uh, making sure if we traveled, I had all my food. If we traveled, I had accommodations where I could get all my food. You know, making sure we had gyms to go to, making sure that, um, you know, I, I got sleep, making sure that, you know, I'm doing my schedule at work to make sure that training isn't when I can fit it in, but it's a priority. So she she kind of changed my mindset and lifestyle because I remember going on vacation and I told her, well, we'll just get some food. I said, oh, you know, the show's not for like six months. And she's like, I don't think anybody trying to turn pro is doing that. <laughs> so that was a real wake up, wake up call for me. But not only did she do that, she did all the meals for the trip. And she said, you know, she took it out of my hands and said, I'm doing all the meals for the trip. You're just going to eat them. And it gave me no reason to cheat. You know, we, we, we did everything the right way. And then in 2008, we were together. I got fifth at Nationals after getting ninth before. Then we came back in 2009. Definitely should have won it that year, but we got a major stomach flu literally two days before the show. So I ended up in third, came back in 2010 and won it. And um been with George the whole time. Um, you know, I love the way George does his perhaps, He's all about health first. That's huge for me. Um, cause there's a lot, you know, there's like, bodybuilding does not define me. Um, I like, I love bodybuilding. I love doing it, but it doesn't define who I am. Um, I'm also, you know, a business person, an entrepreneur, a father first. So I, my health is more important than just winning a, winning a trophy, um, or being, you know, my goals are to definitely win an auto classic. Um, you know, being top 10 in Olympia, which we've been through three times. We qualified last year, but I got majorly sick coming back from Hong Kong. So that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's my current challenge right now is getting my system back to a point where it can handle consuming that much food. Mm. Because when I, um, when I got sick in, in, in August, it shredded, I mean, it just destroyed my bowels, destroyed my my whole um, um, intestines and, and all that stuff. I mean, it just destroyed all the good bacteria, took it all out. And this has taking me forever to get back to a point where I can consume that type of food and my body not try and dump it, or consume that type of food and not get sick. So um, that's been a challenge right now, but it's getting a little better all the time and we're, and we're hoping that by August, um, when, I, when the Arnold Asia rolls around, that we can go in there. and We took second last year to try and go in there and win it this year.
0: And, and I see you, you've just come back from an injury as well, Fred, is that correct?
1: Well, that wasn't really an injury that, injury. that was my, that was the issue. Like, I got, um, I mean, when I went to the hospital, I was 240, 10 days out from the Olympia. So, I was already shredded at 240 pounds. I came out of the hospital at 203 pounds. Cool. So, yeah, yeah
0: I was in there for seven days,
1: came out 203 pounds, and, like, emaciated. And, um, you know, they my, my kidneys were an acute failure when I went in. My bowels were completely shut down. Um, my blood was, was like sludge. so they were afraid I was going to have a heart attack. So, you know, they had me. They were they're watching me, put me in ICU, you know, came out of that. And then, um, you know, when I started to recover, things started improving very fast. But, um, you know, they said the only thing that saved me was having all the muscle because my body was um, just trying to dump, they're trying to get rid of the infection from the salmonella. And, um, you know, that's what saved me was having all that muscle.
0: Oh, that's crazy! That's Absolutely crazy! Yeah. So, so Freddie, are you are you almost recovered? Are you eighty percent recovered? How how is the recovery going now? Well, actually, you
1: know, we did really. I mean, everything went perfect. You know, um, I got on. I, I got up in the off season up to two seventy five, and started dieting for the uh, New York Pro. And as soon as I started dieting for New York Pro, I started dumping like weight like crazy, five, seven pounds a week. It was nuts, and. Um, and we couldn't figure it out, I, and you know, I went and went and saw doctors and stuff. And now it's kind of stabilized out, um, about 240 right now. And um, you know, I look like I'm like 240, and I look like I'm about five weeks out from a show. Okay. So, what we're looking to do is just try and grow from this point, and um, maybe do something in the July. Definitely, Arnold uh, least uh, in August.
0: Yeah. Well. Well. Best of luck with that show. Fred, best of luck with that Fred. So Thank I know, I know you took second last year, as you say, and hopefully a, another first place uh, to go with the Europa. Um, so, so those are the goals this year, Fred. You say so to get on stage at the Asia, um, and also to one day win the Arnold Classic and again place top at the uh, top ten at the Olympia. Um, you've been through some some real battles in your time, Fred, as a pro and as an amateur. Um, who are some of the best bodybuilders that you have stood next to and and that you've really noticed standing next to who have had a very um, almost intimidating effect on stage?
1: I can't really say um, I've been intimidated by anybody on stage because, you know, size is one thing but shape's another. So, you know, typically... I mean, I've stood next to Alex Fedorov, who's 300-something pounds, and I still look better because my shape's good, right? Yeah, yeah. um, But, you know, the most impressive person I've stood on stage with is clearly Dexter Jackson. I mean, he's—I mean, Dexter is amazing when you look at him. I mean, I've been on stage with Phil Heath, and he's amazing, too, Um. The one that's probably freaked me out the most so that I was like, ah, I ain't never achieving that <laughs> no matter how hard I, I work, that's Kai Green. Kai Green has freaked me out. I mean, I look at Kai and I'm like, geez, there's no way I'm ever going to achieve that. And I don't know if I want to achieve that. That's a, that's a crazy look, you know, like Dexter and Phil, I, lo- I, I, I love their physiques. Um, and, uh, you know, when I'm on stage with Dexter, I feel like um, it always fares well better for me. You know, all the shows, all the Arnolds I do were decks through there. I always do better. Mm. Um, well, I typically do better because him and I have similar shapes, you know? So um, he, it, it, it helps me. And because um, they're looking at him, they're also looking at me in my comparison group, too. So mm. it, it works well. And then, um, uh, but the most improvement, man, I mean, like when I see it's crazy because me and Juan, I beat Juan to turn pro. Yeah. And he took second that year. Yeah. And. He's just grown leaps and bounds from the time he turned pro. It's crazy. Like he turned pro the year after me, and it's just like I see this guy. And when we did the Dallas or uh, the uh, Connecticut Europa, a lot of people had me beating him, but he's clearly, he clearly beat me the last couple times we've we competed together. Because he's just you know grown leaps and bounds, and um, so that's he's impressed me. Like I said, Dexter impressed me. Um, Rolly's a great dude, man. He's so big, <laughs> so big. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and standing backstage with him is really cool because he's so big. He's um, just looking at him like, "Jeez, huge man! How are you that big?" You know, and um, um, you know, big Ramy, of course. Big Ram- Rammy's huge. <laughs> you know, he's impressive, very impressive. So all those guys are impressive, man. I see when I do Arnold, the Arnold Spain and the Olympia, they're they're all right there, and it's pretty cool, you know. And and, and that's why I'm thirsty, man, because in 2015. Um, if you look at that Olympia, I got that call out with that group of guys. Yeah. Uh, with the Wands and the – and the um, uh, who else is William Bonak and, and uh, Roley was in that group. And I didn't look – I looked good in that group, man. You know, and, and yeah, it's like yeah. I, I started to fade through prejudging, but in that first call out, they brought me out in that group because I deserved to be there. So, you know, I'm thirsting to get back up there, man. I know I can do top ten. I just got to make a few – um, adjustments, and we'll, and we'll get there.
0: How do you think that look in 2015 at the Olympia um, compared with the look at the Europa when you won that show, Fred? Um,
1: I was definitely um, way bigger at the Olympia, um, a little bit more streamlined at the... Um, so, basically, at the, at the Olympia, at the, at the Europa, I was like 220, 227, 229, you know, um, on the second day, first day I was like 2.30, 2.31. and um, when I was at the Olympia, I was like two thirty eight, two
0: thirty five, floating in there. Wow. And um,
1: but I was just so full blown, it was like it was crazy. And um, when when I when my coach was telling me eat, 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 I'm going, in. my always gets ascended, so I, I slowed down the eating, and I didn't quite eat as much as he wanted me to. And that's what, and that really hurt me because I came out and I was tight and full. Um, and I just started to flatten out throughout the pre And, um, so, you know, because I was afraid of my stomach getting distended. Yeah. And, uh, but I needed that food. So, you know, you, you live and learn. Um, a couple of things I've done though, is I kind of changed the way I do my water. And that's what, and it's kind of funny because last year in 2016, by far the hardest I've ever been on stage, um, that if you look at the pictures from Chicago Pro, Vancouver Pro, Baltimore Pro, by far the hardest I've ever been on stage, and that was nothing that I did any different other than changing up the water protocol that I do. Um, but the judges didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't get rewarded for that, you know. Um, I did at Vancouver Pro. Actually, uh, Vancouver Pro was actually a great show for me. Um, but the the judges' and consensus was. We don't like you that. We don't like you that. That small. We like you bigger. So, the formula I need to to come in with is the fullness that I brought to you the Arnold Asia with the conditioning that I brought to Vancouver, and then that'd be a winning combination.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can Can course, you share with us, Fred, how you changed your your protocol? And you don't have to go into finite detail, but um, can you share with us anything that you changed?
1: Well, basically. I stopped trying to trick my body and worked more along the lines of what um, realizing that, you know, the body, the body is smarter than we are. Um, you know, too often we think we're going to do some crazy things at the end to drop all the water short of using pharmaceuticals and, and it doesn't work. You end up flat or you end up, um, you know, you end up holding water. You, you, you know, it just, it just doesn't work. So um, what I did was, you know, I kind of went along like the body. Um, you figure out how long it takes the body to to um, realize that you cut water, and you realize cutting it days ahead and sipping on it isn't enough. And all we do, and, and basically, you know, we I'm drinking water all the way into all the way into Friday afternoon, even if the show is Saturday, as much as two gallons a day, and um, that made a huge difference for me. That made a huge difference because. Now, I just keep them tighter and tighter and tighter. And by the time my body starts to hold water because it feels like it's not getting any, the show's over. And, um, I mean, there's a lot, there's a little more to it than that, but that's the basic premises behind it. And it, it works really well. Because I think a lot of times we cut water too often or we think we're going to tailor it back and the body's going to recognize that it's going to think that it's still getting water. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work properly for everybody. Um, but what I've been doing with this protocol works really well for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So almost keep drinking until the night before, and then and then and then pull it back. It's a it's a theory that um, it, it seems to be more common nowadays as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe it is, you know. But I what I see a lot of times is people keep drinking, but then they start cutting it back to you know less ounces per meal and stuff like that. Yeah. And I I just, I just keep drinking as much as I'm drinking up until you know about. 20 hours
0: before the show and it seems to work really well. Yeah. You spoke about uh some of the guys like uh um Big Rami and Roly Winkler and, and there seems to be a trend in bodybuilding at the moment with a lot of guys going over to Kuwait and um, a lot of guys making really big strides in their physique. Um you know recently uh, Brandon Curry, um one of the British bodybuilders Nathan Diasha um, but I've also seen bodybuilders um, like someone like John Della Rosa who, who went out there and, and didn't make massive strides in his physique. Um, what, what What's the consensus with, with the pros, uh, Freddie, about what's going on and over in Kuwait and, and is it something you'd ever consider?
1: Well, I would have been there but um, I would have been there had I not gotten sick um, in August because I got the invite Um, from Abdullah himself at the Baltimore Pro. He said, you got phenomenal genetics. You just need to be heavier. Come see us. So he gave me the invite. But then I got sick so I couldn't take take him up on the invite because I was supposed to go after Olympia to get ready for the Arnold. So, um, that was supposed to be the game plan, but it didn't happen. So, but, but I mean, basically in bodybuilding, what we take for granted most, I think, is rest. Um, lack of stress, and rest. And I believe when you're in that environment in Kuwait, you have the best of all worlds in terms of conditions for bodybuilding. You have no stress because you're cut off from the outside world. You have um, no responsibility except to train, eat, sleep. You have massage therapists. You have um chiropractors you have people working on you to give your muscles the best conditions possible to work under stress right mm-hmm. so recovery is is happening faster better because um, you're in the best environment so um it it makes sense because like take brandon curry for instance the man's got uh four or five kids like i do <laughs> he's uh business with his wife and he's got a lot going on so when he's home it's hard to focus just on bodybuilding
0: yeah for sure
1: and then you go over there and all you're doing is training eating sleeping bodybuilding and not only that you're motivated because you're taking all that time away from your family i think i think it's a no-brainer because it's a perfect condition for bodybuilding
0: yeah yeah, you know some of the changes that, that the guys have made are, are incredible even seasoned pros such as like uh, when Victor went out there he made you know strides in his physique and and, and I know um, someone like when, when John De la Rosa went out there and I've heard Guy Cistinino say as well that, that he, he said he didn't feel it would benefit him as much because he's a guy who lives and breathes bodybuilding already. Um, so by him going out there, none of his settings would really change. Um, so like what you said, if you can live and breathe bodybuilding while you're here, um, maybe your settings wouldn't change that much. but if you do have stress and, and things going on around you, moving into that environment would be would be a really good strategy to take.
1: Yeah, I, I already know I would completely be different if I went there because <laughs> I mean if I get to bed before 12 that I'm lucky. you know I'm um, between the clients I'm working with, the, my, my training business that I have, which I have, you know, trainers working for me, um, and between all the kids and their activities, I mean, it's impossible to focus just on bodybuilding. And when I do, I have to sacrifice that time with everything else. So, um, you know, and you know, so that, that's, that would be definitely ideal for me if I could do it. Um, and me and my wife have talked about it. So, um, you know, we'll see if it, you know. Definitely not this year, but um, we'll see. You know, if we if we get the invite again, if we can uh, maybe tackle it in two thousand eighteen.
0: And is that is that the only way that you can, as a pro, Fred? <clears throat> excuse me. Um, get out there and 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 go to Kuwait and go with those guys, or are you able to sort of go off off your back? What do you mean, go off my back? So so go go off your own back. So just say, right, I'm coming out. Um, I'm going to pay you this amount of money, or, or is it like an invite-only thing?
1: I think it's an invite-only thing. I really do. I believe it's an invite thing. Because, I mean, they're putting you up, they're lodging you, they're they're feeding you, they're supplying you with everything you need. So I think it's an invite thing.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, well I hope you get that invite again, Freddie, if, if you want to go and take that out there. Thank you. <laughs> so when... So when we speak about posing, Fred, and, and especially within the IFBB, you are known to be one of the best posers and and come up with uh, amazing routines. Um, you know, Lucky enough, in 2015, I saw you do a guest poser here over in the UK and, and it blew the crowd away. Um, I, I know you had a dance background, Fred, so is that where you make up your routines from um, and sort of where do you get the ideas for your routines from as well? Um
1: my, well, as a dancer, my gift's always been to listen to music and be able to put movement to it. So it's pretty much all I do is try and um, I hear the music and then, you know, the music kind of tells me which way to move and and um, we put, I try and put routines together. My whole purpose is to make the routine kind of continue to rise throughout the routine so that people aren't bored, people aren't feeling like, okay, it's not done yet, um, so that it the cont- the continues to rise the entire time and at the end it's done. And... And and normally people are like, Oh man, that was cool, I'd like to see it again and that's what, what I'm looking to create every time I put a routine together.
0: Yeah, you can see that every time and you can see that you enjoy it every time as well, which which makes such a huge difference. Yeah, I mean um, I mean that's one of the reasons
1: why I fell in love with bodybuilding because I love powerlifting but I also love dancing and performing and bodybuilding allows you to do both. It allows you to be strong, work, you know, look big be big and um perform as well so I, that, that's why i love
0: bodybuilding with with a power lifting background fred is your training um still oriented towards big heavy compound lifts or do you vary training now to sort of go more towards bodybuilding or what does your training look like at the moment
1: well that that's a good story in itself because um In in 2014, after the Olympia, I met uh, my my strength coach now, Paul Carter. Um, I actually met him during the summer during the strength conference, but he came out to Olympia to support me. And after Olympia, he tells me, I know why you're not winning shows. You got no back. Now, no one's ever told me that. Everyone's always told me I had a really good back. He's like, you got no thickness to your back. You don't deadlift. You don't good morning. You don't do any of that stuff. And I was like, you know what? He's right. I had stopped doing all that stuff because, you know, you 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 believe the hype. You just do your pull downs, your rows, stuff like that. But um, I was lacking the density that I had as a as a younger bodybuilder, and um, because I'd gotten away from all those movements. So then I started um, incorporating, and he started writing my programs and incorporated the rack deadlifts, the, the deadlifts from the floor, the um, you know the heavy squats, the 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 heavy benching. Heavy push pressing stuff like that, and um, so you know today um, we did shoulders and it and it was heavy barbell shoulder press mixed in with high reps, you know laterals and and um, hundred reps on front laterals and and so it's a mixture, you know we do like we do we we um, we count on the two two things that can create muscle growth and that's mechanical tension, which is dealing with the heavy weight heavy movements creating the demand on the muscle through moving the weight um, and through metabolic distress, which deals with the high reps that, um, you know, act on the myosin acting within the muscle cells to create that trauma and, and, um, and that irritation by meat to make it say, so, oh, we got to protect ourselves so we're going to grow. So we, we, we use those two principles in the training. We do a lot with eccentric contractions um, and making sure that, you know, we're focusing not just on the shortening of the muscle, but the lengthening of the muscle. And that's completely changed the thickness of my physique. So it's, you know, if you look at 2014 prod show versus the 2015 Europa, there's a huge distinction in how I look. Mm. And that's not a year difference. That's only, you know, six months different. So, um, I think, um, or I'm sorry, sorry, seven months. Different. And, um, If you look at that, there's a huge... It looks like I went through a whole two years of training, and all I did was get back to the basics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there is such a trend... These days of um, you know fancy training styles and special movements, but a, a lot of the times you really see a lot of the younger guys missing the basics. You know, m- missing their deadlifts, missing their squats, missing their bench presses, missing their rack pulls, missing the movements that re- recruit so many more muscle fibers. Um, and you see them doing you know, um, you know, cable push downs on with with one arm or something like that because because they've seen <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I always
1: say you know YouTube is destroying our younger generation of the lifters. And the reason why is because when we were growing up, all we did was read what with the, with the bodybuilders did when we started out. And bodybuilders always in photo shoots do the, the biggest, baddest lifts, you know. Um, but what happens is we get older, you know, if, if my elbows bother me, I got to compensate for it. And our um, young kids don't have those issues usually. And um, so if they see he's doing hammer strength everything they think oh, i'm gonna do hammer strength everything but they're not realizing that he wasn't doing hammer strength everything when he was in his first three years of lifting and um so you know they're trying to emulate what the pros are doing but a lot of the pros are older and and not doing what they were doing when they were starting so yeah i think the youtube is a great thing but it's also hurting the the the, the foundation process
0: absolutely of the lifters. absolutely yeah yeah i couldn't agree more um Bodybuilding is, is, seems to be getting smaller over here in the UK, Fred, and the men's physique type of um, physiques and classes seem to be growing. Um, what What's the trend over there in the States, Fred, and, and what is the sort of feeling about bodybuilding over there at the moment?
1: Well, I think bodybuilding, um, the actual bodybuilding classes, they're definitely smaller. Um, but that's because guys don't think they're ready for bodybuilding. Um, you know, they're not, it's not because they don't want to be a bodybuilder. It's because they don't believe they're ready for bodybuilding. So they're, cause they're smaller. And, um, whereas before you would go and get your butt kicked a couple years and then you'd be ready to start winning. They can go right to men's physique or right to men's classic physique and win now. And, um, so it doesn't mean that bodybuilding isn't still on the growth or isn't still growing because we all know naturally, once you get, the mindset to love competing, you want to be bigger. You want to be better, you want to be bigger, you want to be more conditioned. That's just part of what we, we do and we strive for. So the guy who's men's physique will eventually be men's classic physique, and the guy who's men's classic physique will eventually be a bodybuilder. I mean, you can see the pattern with the pros. A number of pros have stepped over to men's classic physique just from physique already. So I think, um, I think in the coming years it's going to be a great – feeder kind of like you know in professional sports you have the minor leagues and, and they feed the major leagues and i think it's going to be like that where the the men's physique classic is going to end up feeding the bodybuilding and it just gives more time for quality <laughs> to be attained why these guys can still become popular become national champions and as they become pros and they then they'll feed into the men's bodybuilding more
0: mm. So, almost like a natural evolution, Fred, you know, going from the men's physique to the muscular classes to the to the bodybuilding. Almost like the natural evolution of, of going to the gym and getting bigger, like you say. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, like, like um, very few people, you can see it. Where, I mean, a perfect example is when you see, see um, young guys who start out and they say, I don't want to be that big. They get a little muscle, gain 10, 15 pounds, and then they're like, Well, I don't want to get too much bigger. <laughs> if they stick with it, if they just stick with it, they keep saying they want to. They don't want to get any bigger, but they're always getting bigger because it's naturally what you do if you love the sport. You know, if you love the sport, if you love muscle, and you're training in the gym and busting your butt, you're not busting your butt to say I'm only going to stay in this in this uh, this weight class. I mean, you see it with the two twelve guys. They're they're always flirting to come up to the open, but if you got a guy who's top in the two twelve, it's a big risk for him to come in the open you know but it doesn't mean they don't want to Mm. but that's not where their
0: market is I see that uh, I saw Guy Sistanino stepped up um, a few weeks ago Um, how do you think the the bigger 212 guys like uh, people like Flex Lewis um, the uh, the gentleman from Kuwait um, I forget his name um, Ash Kamari Kamari, um, how do you think those guys would fare in the open class Fred
1: well I consider myself a mid-level pro meaning you know um, I mean, I qualified for Olympia last year, and there was only 20 guys. So I'm gonna say I'm just gonna put myself at 20th for, because I wasn't there. So I, I believe I'm in that category, 20, 20 to 23, right? And David Henry competing against me at the Australia, and I and I beat him. And he's one of the best two twelves in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I I understand it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just generally for obviously they get in great condition. So so really just size they're lacking. Do you think?
1: I mean, it's size, but it's also, you know, when you, um, the symmetry changes too, you know, because a lot of them are very short. Yeah. So the symmetry changes, you know, and what's going to look next good to, good to guys of all the same stature is not going to look the same against guys that are, if they're not much taller, than we're a lot bigger. If we're, an, if we're not a lot, if we're a lot taller, then the symmetry is going to look a, look a whole lot different. So. Um, I just you know I, I, I just think like uh, take somebody who's 5'4 if you put too much size on him it makes him look too blocky so 2'12 is perfect yeah for sure you know yeah for sure I mean you know are we, we talking am, am I mean let's be real Jose Raymond is going to always place top 5 in any open show at the regular level but he's not going to place top 10 at the Olympia
0: no yeah, yeah in yeah, the I open that, yeah.
1: yeah for sure so so why but he's what considered arguably the top two guys in the world at 212. So why would he go up to the open?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, understandable, yeah. And, and outside of bodybuilding, Fred, um, just about, I know, you, I know you have your, your four children, Fred, is there, what, what are your hobbies outside of bodybuilding, Fred? Well, oh, you I know, I love to dance.
1: <laughs> 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 love to dance, love to travel, um, you know, um, I love to eat, <laughs> and uh, no, I mean um, honestly, I I really, I mean, I like to fish. Um, you know, really enjoy. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, fishing, dancing, um, things of that nature. I, I,
0: yeah, I like doing those things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and finally, Fred, as I said, we'll be respectful of your time. And where can people get a hold of you, Fred, if they do wish to contact you for, for posing or they wish to contact you for your, your training team? How can people get a hold of you, Fred?
1: So my websites are fredsmalls.com and abphysiques.com. And then my Instagram is smalls at smalls my my Facebook is IFBB Pro Fred Biggie Smalls and um, you know on Snapchat it's F underscore Biggie Smalls so and always you can you know you can always reach me DM me, message me, email me um, you know whether it's contest prep or um, you know for speaking engagements or, or um, guest posing I'm always available so
0: yeah, and that's well, both males and females Fred as well what are you and, and that's for both males and females as well. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Fred, it's been a real privilege speaking to you and, and thank you very much for your time. Um, we wish you best of luck for the 2017 season and I hope you're able to go back and do the Asia and, and pick up that first place trophy, buddy.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time and it's been uh, my pleasure.
0: Thank you, Fred. Take care.
1: Thank you.
0: All right. All Bye-bye.